Welcome to this verse-by-verse Bible teaching from Calvary Queen Creek in Arizona with Pastor Jim Remington. We hope you're blessed by listening. Romans 10.17 says, Faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. For more information, please visit calvaryqueencreek.org. Well, we're in the book of Revelation, the book of Revelation. And so we made it through one verse last week, all the way through one verse And this week we're going to really cruise. We're going to make it through verse 3 this week. So we're going to do two verses this week. Praise God. Father, we thank you and praise you for your goodness. Oh, before I get to that, Jim, you want to throw up that uh, Pastor Gary Hamrick. Um, This was last Sunday, and and we heard about this right out of the chute, and many of you sent me a little text, and so that's great. Feel free to do that. Um, This was a phenomenal teaching. It was a full Sunday morning teaching. Pastor, it's a Calvary Chapel, Cornerstone Chapel back in Leesburg, Virginia. Pastor Gary Hamrick, a biblical response to the transing of America, Romans 1, 18 through 28. He does a phenomenal job, a phenomenal job. So I'd encourage you to uh, check that out. Practical, applicable, biblical, um, just a great source of information. So. so, Father, we thank you again for what's happening in our country. There's a reason, there's a plan. It's quite obvious We're moving towards uh, Revelation 13, that one world economy, one world religion, one world government. It's obvious what's taking place. But for billions of people, it's not obvious because they don't have the Holy Spirit dwelling within them. For many of them, they're clueless. They're just going with the flow. And so, Father, we want to be in tune, in step with your word. And we want to be used by you. We have nothing to fear. You're with us. Your Holy Spirit resides within us. You're going to keep us on the straight and narrow. And so we just thank you ahead of time for that. And so, Lord, as we continue the book of Revelation, I pray for the gift of teaching. And, Father, that you will be glorified through your word as we draw closer to you this day. In Jesus' precious name, amen. So we covered verse 1 last week and took note of the precious name of Jesus because the letter is about Jesus and what God is going to do to draw people to that name during that time known as the Great Tribulation. We'll see over and over again God's judgment. That's what's going to take place in the book of Revelation. But we also see God's grace and mercy exemplified over and over again in this letter. The two witnesses, the 144,000, the angel flying through the heavens, over and over and over again. As 2 Peter says, 2 Peter 3, 9, the Lord is not slack concerning his promise. We're going to talk about that this morning. Oh, yeah, my mother said it, my grandfather said it, blah, 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 blah. This whole rapture thing, it's new, it's only 150 years old, blah, 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 blah. As some count slackness, but is long-suffering towards us, not willing that any should perish. And that word perish there is not die, because God obviously knows we're all going to die. Ten out of ten people still die, that's a fact. But as you look up that word perish, it's eternal separation from God. You see, God doesn't want one single person, as we now have over 8 billion people, God doesn't want one single person to say, yeah, I want to go to hell instead of going to heaven. I'd rather spend eternity in hell than be with you, Father. He doesn't want that. And so as we go into the book of Revelation and see this destruction, you could almost get that mentality that, boy, God just wants, he's just out to kill people. He's out to destroy people. No, he's not. 
He's long-suffering, not willing that any should perish, but that all, all should come to repentance. And that's a great exhortation for you and I, even this day, as we see what's happening, as we see what's happening with our president. This elder abuse, this is nothing to joke about or mock about. This is sad. This is very sad. If he doesn't know Jesus as his Savior, it's between God and him. I don't know. I would never say that. But if he doesn't know Jesus, he's getting very short on his power. Very short. And so we need to pray for people. Not mock and ridicule them, but pray that they would receive Christ as their Savior because it's almost over. And so as we look at verse 2, we're going to hit verse 1. The revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave him to show his servants... Things which shortly take place. Things which must shortly take place. And he sent and signified it by his angel to his servant John. Now our text, who bore witness to the word of God. And to the testimony of Jesus Christ to all things that he saw. Blessed is he who reads and those who hear the words of this prophecy and keep those things which are written in it, for the time is near. In verse 2 here we see John's desire was to point people to Jesus via the word of God. And that's a great exhortation for you and I. Again, not to try to win somebody over to a political party, not trying to win somebody over to a certain agenda, but taking people to the word of God because they need Jesus. Everything else ends when we take our last breath. You see, the disciples of Jesus would take the Old Testament and show others how Jesus fulfilled the prophecies found therein. Again, we're going to talk more about this in a few minutes. So they didn't just say, well, you know, the Caesars, we need to get rid of them. We need to overthrow them. You're not going to find that in the Scriptures. As a matter of fact, you're going to find just the opposite. Even during that devastating time that they lived in, in the first 300 years of the church, guys, it's estimated, they don't know for sure, but it's estimated three to five million Christians were martyred for Christ. Not martyred for a political party. They were martyred because they would not deny that Jesus was the Messiah, the Christ, the Lord. That was Christianity in the first 300 years, guys. So we don't have it that tough yet, but we do have brothers and sisters in India that are having it that tough. So this is real. Jesus fulfilled the scriptures and they went back to the Old Testament. And by the time of John's writings, which we discussed last week, probably early 90s, early to mid 90s, letters of the whole New Testament were already in circulation. John was finishing up what we would call today the New Testament writings, through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, he is going to tell us of the things that he had seen as well as prophesy of that which will come upon this earth in those last seven years of what is referenced in the Old Testament as Jacob's trouble. Jacob's trouble. So in verse 3, Revelation starts off with a blessing. So let's look at this. Blessed. Definition. Happy. An internal joy, not necessarily brought about by an external circumstances, but through, but brought about by an internal peace of God. That, that's, that's an extensive definition. But notice, happy, an internal 
joy, not necessarily brought about by an external circumstances, but brought about by an internal peace of God. An example of that definition could be when something seems to be out of control. I'm sure if I set a show of hands, almost every hand would go up in here. Yet God, through his word, via the Holy Spirit, reassures you that everything will be okay, that God's got everything under control. And we need that. We need that. And I'm sure almost every single one of you have experienced that. Blessed will be the person who reads this letter. Blessed will be the person who hears this letter. So reading, hearing. And blessed will be that person who obeys this letter. Who obeys this letter. You see, there are going to be a solid biblical Solid doctrinal biblical principles that we will learn as we move through this letter. And we'll see once again that obedience, obedience is the one of the most important aspects of our Christian faith. Matter of fact, obedience will cause us to read and listen to all of God's word. And you can go back to last week's study to to see what I'm referring there. To all of God's word. Now, I don't want to take this blessing to an extreme, as I've heard some folks do. Some will say that this letter should be read more often than any other portions of scriptures because of this promise. Yet all of the scriptures come with a built-in blessing when you read them, so you really want to be reading from Genesis to Revelation, not just focusing on Revelation, 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 all of the word of God. Psalm 112.1 says, Praise the Lord. Blessed is the man or woman who fears the Lord, who delights greatly in his commandments. You see the word blessed there. I'm only going to list a few. So again, I'm not ridiculing or mocking somebody that, that, that thinks that, but you've got to debug the program. This is now just one book that you're going to focus on and forget the rest of the scriptures because there's a, there's a blessing right in the very beginning. It's all blessed. How about Psalm 128? Blessed is everyone who reverences, fears, that's a healthy fear, who fears the Lord, who walks in his ways. Blessed is that individual. Blessed. How about Proverbs. Now, when we look at this, it's going to speak of wisdom, wisdom. Now, therefore, listen to me, my children, for blessed are those who keep my ways. So this is not talking about Solomon or David. This is talking about wisdom. As you do a study in this chapter, you're going to find out that it's referencing wisdom. So as you hear my ways, it's talking about wisdom, wisdom. What does Solomon want? Wisdom. Hear instruction and be wise and do not disdain it. Blessed is the man who listens to me, listens to wisdom, watching daily at my gates, waiting at the post of my doors. If this was about Solomon, then we don't want to be at Solomon's doors, at Solomon's gates. No, this is about wisdom. Are you seeking wisdom? Are you seeking the wisdom that's going to benefit you now as well as eternally? Now, there's nothing wrong with seeking after wisdom. I, I appreciate people who invent things and, and people that, that, that have that ability. Praise God. I'm not saying don't go to school, don't advance yourself. None of that nonsense. Keep it in the middle. 
But are you really seeking after the wisdom that will last? Blessed is man who listens to me, watching daily at my gates, waiting at the doors, post of my doors, for whoever finds me finds life. Is it about finding Solomon? No. It's about finding what Solomon had, but then what in his later years? Departed from. Guys, this was one of the wisest men that ever lived. But you look at the later years, one of the dumbest men that ever lived. What did he do? He departed from wisdom. He departed from sound counsel. He departed from the word of God. Because if the king writes out the word of God, he would not have amassed money, he would not have amassed horses, and he would not have amassed women. Those are three things specifically in the scriptures that say don't do these things. The king is not to do these things, and he did just that. For whoever finds me finds life and obtains favors, favor from the Lord. But he who sins against me, sins against wisdom, wrongs his own soul, not just your life, but your soul. All those who hate me, who hate the word of God. Think about this to today. How many people are hating the word of God? That's the culture we're in. They hate the word of God because there's wisdom in it that marriage is between one man, one genetic male, one genetic female, period. Well, we don't like that. So you hate wisdom. That's, you just hate wisdom. Don't blame me. You just hate wisdom. But he who sins against me wrongs his own soul. All those who hate me love death. That's pretty strong. How about Colossians 3.16? Thinking of wisdom, the word wisdom. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom. And then it goes on and tells us what we should do with that. Teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. But what does it start out with? How can we bless somebody else? By letting the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom. So as we read from Genesis to Revelation, the Holy Spirit gives us that wisdom to deal with that person on an individual basis at a given time, whether it's in the store, whether, wherever it might be. And the more that you do this, the more you're going to see. We had something happen to us when we went out to dinner. Uh, this, whatever it was, I think it was Thursday night or Friday night. I don't know when it was. I think it was Thursday night. We went out to dinner. And got into a really good conversation with the waitress. Um, it was wonderful. She stood there for two or three minutes, fully engaged, wanting to hear what we had to say. And go, you know, I've been seeking after God. And, I, and, I, and I've been reading my Bible. And, and this is just so wonderful. And how did that just start? We just asked her, how can we pray for you? We're going to pray for you this week. How can we pray for you this week? Just one little, you know, we didn't bash her with John 3.16. We didn't tell her she was going to hell. We just asked her, hey, how can we pray for you this week? And man, she, the floodgates opened. We planted water, and hopefully she's going to come to church. We invited her, gave her phone numbers, reached out, just let her know, hey, you need anything, you call us. But that goes back to wisdom in the word. How about Jeremiah 17? Blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord, and whose hope is in the Lord. 
is that not applicable to today? Are we trusting in the government? Are we trusting in a political party? Good luck if you are. We see that, that where that's going, where it has gone over the last 40, 50 years. For he should be like a tree planted by the waters, which spreads out its roots by the river and will not fear when heat comes. But its leaves will be green, but its leaf will be green and it will not be anxious in the year of drought, nor will cease from yielding fruit. So, I mean, we could go on and on and on with Old Testament verses, New Testament verses about being blessed. So again, when you see this back in Revelation, when you see blessed is he who reads and those who hear, but notice the, uh, there is a principle here. So we're to read and we're to hear and then we're to keep, obey. From Genesis to Revelation, not just Revelation, from Genesis to Revelation. And then what I do find interesting is that so many Christians, pastors, teachers have not read nor studied this letter of Revelation, nor the whole word of God. Statistically, unfortunately, this is pretty much a fact. There's only probably 5% of the church. I'm not saying this church. This church is different because I mention it so often. But I would say the studies and the research and the surveys they've done they estimate that less than 5% of Christians, whatever church denomination they're in, I'm talking about people that say they're Christians and believe in the Word of God, less than 5% of those people have ever read the whole Bible. They've never read their whole Bible. They'll do a daily bread. Yeah, I'll slap open my Bible. I'll read a devotion. It only takes me two or three minutes, and then i got to go. Guys, that's a sad reality. And again, it's not here. More of you are reading the Word of God than that. But most pastors won't talk about it. I was raised in a church where you were not supposed to read your Catholic Bible. And you were not encouraged to read your Catholic Bible. Because if you read the Catholic Bible, you found contradiction after contradiction after contradiction with the Catholic Church. And that's why we eventually had to leave. So they discouraged that. Oh, no, no, no. The priest goes to the cemetery and learns the Bible. Seminary. Goes to the seminary to learn the Bible, and the priest will explain the Bible to you. Don't read your Bibles. You see, John was inspired to write this letter, and specifically this verse. So there is a blessing. Again, not either extreme. Keep it balanced. There is a blessing in reading, studying, meditating, memorizing, even Revelation. But again, not just this letter, but the whole word of God. Well, let's look at verse at the end of verse 3 there. Blessed is he who reads and those who hear. So it's not just a matter of reading the word of God. I need to spiritually hear, because it's even not enough to hear the word of God. Again, the Catholic Church, uh, you might not want this information, but it just ties in. Um, during their Mass, they read the Word. They read three different sections of the Word of God. So for 17 years, well, obviously I was a baby, so for uh, 12 years, I was hearing the Word of God every single Sunday. Every single Sunday, the Word of God, the Word of God, the Word of God, the Word of God, but I wasn't hearing it. I was hearing it physically, but it wasn't ministering to my soul. So there's even a difference in that. Yes, I can hear the Word of God, but if I'm not open to the Word of God then I'm really not hearing it. 
And that can happen at a, at a home fellowship or at a men's Bible study or a women's Bible study or a midweek Bible study. You know, we come in and we go, oh, you know, I've heard this before. So you, we all of a sudden just mentally check out because we've heard it before. Be careful. I have to be careful. We need to be careful because the Holy Spirit wants to minister to us at any given time. So, who hears the word of this prophecy and keeps those things which are written in it, for the time is near. For the time is near. Many people, as I already mentioned, have been talking about this letter and how the Lord is supposedly coming back any day now. Your mother may have talked about it, or maybe your grandfather mentioned how the Lord's return could be at any time. But when you think about it, this conversation has been going on for almost 2,000 years, not for the last 150. Paul rebuked the Thessalonians. Paul rebuked the Thessalonians, the church in Thessalonica, the believers. I've got to be specific. Because some had stopped working, and they were just waiting for the Lord's return. Well, Jesus is coming back. Why get a job? Why get a career? Why save up for tomorrow? Jesus is coming back. We're just going to live off the church. They were not diligent with their earthly responsibilities. And Paul gave specific instructions about these type of people. You know what his instructions were? Maybe you know, maybe you don't. But it's very basic. If a man doesn't work, he doesn't eat. Wow, that's pretty basic. Pretty common sense. You don't want to work? that you don't eat. I think we've kind of lost that in America. This idea of the Lord's eminent return is not a modern day idea by any means. And that's why we need to look at the whole prophetic scripture and wait upon the Lord to show us clearly what has, is, and will take place. And you will find the tribulation referenced Maybe not the word tribulation or great tribulation, but you will find scriptures in the Old Testament referring to that that last seven-year period known as the great tribulation. But we should take the phrase, for the time is near, and the phrase in verse 1, and you'll go up to verse 1, which must shortly take place, which must shortly take place, To see that when the signs of the last day start to happen, when they start to take place, they're going to continue to happen in quick succession. Quick succession. Look at the word in verse 1, shortly. Shortly. In the Greek, that's takos. Takos. Not tacos, but takos. And is where we get our word tachometer from. Tachometer. A tachometer is an instrument that measures the working speed of an engine. It had other purposes, but just many, many of your cars might have a tachometer in it. Typically in revolutions per minute. You see, as Jesus said in the Gospels, right before his return to this earth, the labor pains or the contractions of the birth process are going to increase. That physical analogy, I mean, think about that physical analogy, especially for you ladies, you moms is a perfect, is perfect, it's, it's wonderful. Because when mom's contractions get closer and closer together, the baby is shortly going to come. You are not stopping that baby from coming. So John is not saying that the things referenced in his letter are going to happen soon, as if in his lifetime. But when God's prophetic time frame has come to fruition, 
1948, Israel became a nation. June 1967, Jerusalem once again became the capital of Israel. That is a prophetic time. Never happened in all of history. They never thought it was going to happen. The Jews going to have a nation? The church even replaced the Jews. Replacement theology. That's rampant under the banner of Christianity. Heresy. That's total heresy. Revelation deals with the nation of Israel. There is a nation of Israel. There are Jews, 144,000. Oh, those are Gentiles? No, those are Jews. Those are Jews, which makes them Israelis, which makes them from the nation of Israel. Then things are going to rev up, and when that happens, they're going to clip by in rapid succession, which will become obvious as we move through this letter. You see, we have a picture of this in the Old Testament. I mean, I mean the New Testament. Think of this in the New Testament. The fulfillment of Old Testament prophecies really revved up with what? The birth of Jesus Christ. Some of those prophecies were over 1,400 years old. Could you imagine for 1,000, 1,100, 1,200, 1,300 years? Oh, yeah, yeah, sure, the Messiah is coming. Yeah, sure, the Messiah is coming. Yeah, sure, sure, sure. What about 400, 500, 600 B.C.? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember Grandpa talked about those things. Where are we? We're in Babylon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's going to happen. Sure, it's going to happen. And then what happened? The Messiah was born. The Christ was born. Prophecies were now being fulfilled. Within roughly three and one half years, hundreds of prophecies were fulfilled. Think about that. Hundreds of prophecies. Within 33 and a half years, 33 to 33 and a half years, over 300 prophecies from the birth to the death, over 300. They say possibly closer to 350 prophecies were fulfilled in that 33 to 33 and a half year time span. So when you hear somebody say, oh, yeah, 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 my grandmother said that, and my mom said it, just go, and you know what? They were right. It's going to happen again. And when it does start to happen, it's going to be fast. Have you noticed things picking up the last three years at all? Because the generation that Jesus said would not pass is coming close to passing. 70 to 80 years, 37 to 47, 2037 to 2047. That's Jesus speaking. And I'm not putting a date on it. God knows exactly the day. But if you just do basic math and believe in the word of God, 70 to 80 years from Jerusalem is 2037 to 2047. When's the Great Reset supposed to happen? Huh, 2030. Well, that's just kind of interesting that they kind of picked that time frame with 37 and 47. I wonder if there's any coincidence. No, it's a God incidence. You see, here at Calvary, we believe that once the universal church is raptured and removed from this earth prior to those final seven years of tribulation, that our Lord's judgment will be poured out on this world that willingly rejects his authority. That's why it's going to be poured out. Not because God hates them. God loves them, for God so loves the world. They're rejecting him. They're rejecting him. Those last seven years will be the most horrendous years of human history. Our minds cannot even fathom the depth of destruction, despair, and open blasphemy. We're just getting a taste of it now with the whole drag queen nonsense. 
despair and open blasphemy against God and his word. Let's look at Matthew chapter 24. Matthew chapter 24. We are living in such exciting days. And you might be thinking right now, well, I'm glad you're excited. I'm really scared. Well, if you'd be reading your Bible from Genesis to Revelation, you'd be really excited. You'd be really excited. Because, guys, the first century church got really excited after the Holy Spirit came in them, after the Holy Spirit came upon them. You could not stop them. And if three to five million Christians were willing to die... Not 2,000 not two years after the Bible, they were willing to die during that time from when the Bible was still being written. If they were willing to die, I think there's pretty good evidence that it's true and that we better wake up and believe it and that it's going to happen again. Therefore, when you see the abomination of desolation spoken, by Daniel, uh, spoken of by Daniel the prophet standing in the holy place, whoever reads, let him understand. So that's very, very important. The temple was destroyed in 70 A.D., the abomination of desolation had not been placed in that temple before then. So we, we, we have to eliminate that process. It couldn't have been prior to that because Jesus says, and when you see future, not when you saw the abomination set up in the past. No, when you see. So from this day forward, when you see the abomination of desolation set up in the holy place, idol worship, Spoken of by Daniel the prophet. So he references Daniel, which many people mock the book of Daniel. It was so and is so accurate. They said that could have not been written by a man who lived in that day and age. Impossible. Because he foretold of the future. It couldn't have happened. It had to have been written hundreds of years later. That's your opinion. I know the word of God and it was written by Daniel. Whoever reads, let him understand. Then let those who are in Judea flee to the mountains. So this is going to be halfway through the tribulation period, which we'll get to in the book of Revelation. So as we're studying the book of Revelation, we're going to see that the abomination of desolation is literally set up in the holy place. Well, what does that mean then? Because there's no temple right now on the Temple Mount. I've had the privilege of going there 10 times over the last 30 years. There's no Jewish temple up there. But there's going to be, because the Bible says there will be. And there's a group of people that have everything for animal sacrifices. They have everything that they need to start sacrificing tomorrow, offering sacrifices tomorrow. They just need the temple. That's going to be built. No problem whatsoever. Because a man's going to come on the scene, and he's even going to have the Muslims help build it. Then let those who are in Judea flee to the mountains. Let him who's on the housetop not go down to take anything out of his house. And let him who's in the field not go back to get his clothes. Jesus is talking about urgency here. Halfway through the tribulation, it's hard to understand, but halfway through the tribulation, people are still going to be going on with their lives, so to speak, in some sense. I mean, it's going to be so bad and so crazy, you would think, how could anybody live, live a normal life? Well, it's not going to be normal, but they still have to leave, live. They still have to eat. They still have to work. But woe to those who are pregnant and to those who are nursing babies in those days. And pray that your flight may not be in the winter or on the Sabbath. Jerusalem can actually have snow. And the Sabbath, 
when we go over there on the Sabbath, is sundown Friday to sundown Saturday. The buses, the trams, it, it stops, especially in Jerusalem. Life just stops. You walk everywhere. It's kind of nice. It's very, very quiet, very peaceful. For then there will be great tribulation, such as not been since the beginning of the world until this time, no, nor ever shall be. Now this is after the first three and a half years. And we know in the first three and a half years, chronologically, as we're going to see as we go through it, half the world's population is annihilated. So, if, so just real quick, if we have 8 billion people, make it easy for me doing math, if we have 8 billion people and a billion people go to, get, go to heaven and get raptured, which is possible, that leaves 7 billion people. 3.5 billion people are going to die in the first 3.5 years of the Great Tribulation. But then after that, Jesus says, it's going to even be worse. Wow. So our responsibility is to go out and tell people now. Verse 22, and unless those days were shortened, no flesh would be saved. It's going to get so bad that no one would survive if Jesus didn't come back. But for the elect's sake, those days will be shortened. Let's look at Luke 21. Luke 21. Luke 21, 25, and I encourage you to have a paper Bible. I know many of you, or some of you, might use your, your electronic for font. I understand that. No guilt or condemnation, but I really encourage you, make sure you have a paper Bible. If you need one, we'll give you one. There's about 12 in the lost and found. Some are really good, too, so if you want one, just North Lobby, lost and found. Go get a Bible. Free, praise God, leather bound. And there will be signs in the sun, in the moon, and in the stars, and on the earth, distress of nations, with perplexity, the sea and the waves roaring. Notice this, Jesus saying again about that time, the tribulation time. Men's hearts failing them from fear and the expectation of those things which are coming on the earth. For the powers of heaven will be shaken. Then they will see, so we know right prior to the Lord's coming back, this is when this is taking place, what he's talking about here. Then they will see the Son of Man, that's Jesus, coming in a cloud with glory, with power and great glory. Now, here's the exhortation from Jesus. Now, when these things begin to happen, this is during the tribulation. When these things, you would think that people would have been looking to Jesus for those seven years. But as we get through it and start reading it, you're going to see after all the devastation, there's still people that are blaspheming the name of God. They're not repenting. There's got to be another way. I hate that God. I hate everything that's happening. How could there be a God? Look up and lift up your heads because your redemption draws near. That's still applicable for you and I as well. We're to keep our eyes on heaven, guys. Things are happening so fast. What, what's one of the statements? Maybe you haven't read it yet, but it's been said for the last year or so. By 2030, you're not going to own anything and you're going to be happy. That's one of the goals. And that's not conspiracy. That's reality. And that's why we're seeing happening what's happening. They have to bring America down. We're the problem. 
We have too many comforts. We're hindering the one world government, the one world religion. We're hindering that. So blessed, happy, internal joy due to internal peace. Going back to my earlier comments, when something comes into your life, when something comes into my life, the emotions go through the roof. How could this happen? God's not under control, blah, 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 blah. Then we come back into reality, come back down. David, if you read the book, the, the Psalm, David's Psalms, he would have been locked up on our medication today if he was alive. Great highs, great lows. But he always came back to the balance. You read David. Great highs, great lows, but he always came back to the balance. God's got a plan. It's for any believer who would read this letter as well as the whole word of God from Genesis to Revelation. Blessed. Again, happy. Let's leave that slide up there. Happy. Internal joy due to internal peace. Is for any believer who would listen to its commands. And blessed, what is it? Happy, internal joy due to internal peace. Is for any believer who would obey those commands with all of their heart, soul, mind, and strength. And yes, we are going to be blessed by God's word in this letter written by John. But we will also be challenged in this letter. When we get to the seven churches... Man, it's going to be very uncomfortable for us. We'll be challenged greatly, possibly rebuked, disciplined, encouraged to repent, exhorted to stay focused on eternity, heaven itself. And what a blessing that is. God loves us so much that he's willing to discipline us, correct us. That's a tremendous blessing. So I want to wrap up this exhortation with the time that we have together with a lot of scriptures. Let's look at 2 Timothy 4, 1 through 8. And we're not going to get all, through all of these, so don't worry. I have a, uh, The team made a slide up at the very end that's going to list some various scriptures, but all the ones that I was going to get through, there's no way I'm going to get through them all. But here's the exhortation, guys. The days we're living in, it can be depressing. It can be, man, why bother? No. Where to live? Because you have no idea how you're impacting your coworkers. You have no idea, as a believer, as a faithful believer, how you might be impacting your coworkers, how you might be impacting your neighbors, how you might be impacting your family members that hate you and want nothing to do with you. You're impacting them. There's a reason why they hate you. There's a reason why they don't want nothing to do with you, because you love them. You love them, and you just, you just love them, and you love God. 2 Timothy 4.1 says, I charge you, therefore, before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who will judge the living and the dead at his appearing in his kingdom, preach the word. Here's our exhortation for you and I this morning. Be ready in season and out of season. That's for you and I. Convince, rebuke, exhort with all longsuffering and teaching. This is not just for the pastorate. This is for everyone. For the time will come when we will not endure sound doctrine. But according to their own desires, because they have itching ears, they will heap up for themselves teachers. Is that happening today? I mean, this has happened over the last 2,000 years. Are we seeing it happening today as part of the birth pains? And they will turn their ears away from the truth and be turned aside to fables. There's always been trans. That's the latest fable. The Bible supports trans. 
because there's always been trams. Satan wants to destroy the image of God any way he can. So I'm not going to say there hasn't always been trans. There's never been this movement like we're seeing right now. And there is no such thing as a trans, by the way. Wannabe is a better term. They want to be. You cannot change your DNA. And the only reason why we're seeing what we're seeing is because of modern technology. With all the chemicals that these people are going into, the sad stories, the sad stories that these people are going through. Mutilation being on drugs the rest of their lives, having to go to psychologists and counseling for the rest of their lives because they want to be something, it's called confusion, and God is not the author of confusion. But you be watchful in all things, endure afflictions, do the work of an evangelist, fulfill your ministry. So maybe your ministry is an evangelism. What is your ministry? What is your gift? You have a spiritual gift. If you don't know what I'm talking about, Talk to me later or get some tapes. But every single one of you have a spiritual gift. How are you using that? Fulfill your ministry. For I am already being poured out as a drink offering, and the time of my departure is at hand. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Finally, there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give me on that day. And not to me only, but also to all who have loved his appearing. Even with this morning, are, are, do you, do you, are you excited? Or are you kind of like, man, I don't want to hear about the Lord coming back. I want to do this and I want to do that. And I, so you, you love that and that and that more than you love the Lord coming back? You might want to look at yourself maybe and do some evaluation. Paul makes here something practical for you and I today. But also to all who have loved his appearing. How about Luke 12? Luke 12, 35 through 40. Luke 12, 35 through 40. Let your waist be girded and your lamps burning. And you yourselves be like men who wait for their master when he will return from the wedding. And when he comes and knocks, they may open to him immediately. Luke 12, 37. Blessed are those servants whom the master, when he comes, will find watching. Assuredly, I say to you that he will gird himself. The master will gird himself. And have them sit down, the servants, to eat. And will come and serve them. Well, that will never happen. What did Jesus do on the night of the Passover? He washed 24 stinky feet. Because nobody else would step up and do it. So he did it. And if he should come in the second watch or in the third watch and find them so. Very important. The, the Roman day was four watches during the day. Six to nine, nine to noon, noon to three, three to six. Four watches during the day, four watches in the evening. The same thing. Six to nine p.m., nine p.m. to midnight, midnight to three, three to six. So what is Jesus saying? Any time of the day, keep looking up. Any time of the day, Jesus could come back. You and I could die of a heart attack. That's your second coming. You ain't going to get up and say, well, I'll take it tomorrow. No, you're done. You're gone. You're going to be standing in front of Jesus as a Christian. Blessed, blessed are those servants. But know this, that if the master of the house had known what hour the thief would come, he would have watched and not allowed his house to be broken into. So with that thought, again, the physical analogy, spiritual principle, 
Therefore you also be ready, for the Son of Man is coming in an hour that you do not expect. How about James 5? James 5, 7 through 8. James 5, 7 through 8. Therefore be patient, brethren, until the coming of the Lord. See how the farmer waits for the precious fruit of the earth, waiting patiently for it until it receives the early and latter rains. James 5, 8. So what's it? What's James emphasizing there? Patience. Guys, we're to be patient. Well, if we just had a different political party in office, things would be better. Look back over the last 40, 50 years, guys. It didn't matter which party was in office. There were problems. Now they're just increasing, and they're going to continue to increase. So don't get hung up on a political party. You also be patient. Establish your hearts. Why? For the coming of the Lord is at hand. As you keep reading the scriptures, and again, I have a slide here that will show you many more scriptures. encourage you to write them down or take a picture. Have some homework this week. The coming of the Lord, the coming of the Lord, the coming of the Lord, the coming of the Lord. First century church was the coming of the Lord, the coming of the Lord. So this is not a new, this is not something new. It's been happening for 2,000 years. And now what do we see the church as? Well, you know, yeah, you know, they've been saying that, so what? I don't, I'm, I'm not going with that. How about Romans 8, 23 through 25? Romans 8, 23 through 25. Not only that, but we also who have the first fruits of the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, even we ourselves grown within ourselves earnestly, eagerly waiting for the adoption, the redemption of our body. How many of you got out of bed this morning? You're obviously all here. You got out of bed. How many of you got out of bed groaning this morning? Oh, here we go. One leg, uh, two legs. Okay, let's stand up. Ooh. This is what Paul's talking about. But he's talking 2,000 years ago. What is he saying? The Lord's coming back. The Lord's coming back. We're groaning for that. The Lord's coming back. For we were saved in this hope. But hope that is seen is not hope. For why does one still have hope for what he sees? But if we hope for what we do not see, we eagerly wait for it with perseverance. Are you eagerly waiting for the Lord? Are you eagerly waiting for your brand new body? I am. It's going to be fantastic. No limitations. Don't get worry about this one. You're going to get a brand new one. How about 1 Corinthians 1? 1 Corinthians 1. Don't get hung up with this one. It's going to go away. Don't worry about it. Just go through it. Billions of people have gone through it before you. you know? Fortunately for us, we have modern technology, which is a blessing and help us a lot. 1 Corinthians 1, 4 through 8. I thank my God always concerning you for the grace of God, which was given to you by Christ Jesus, that you were enriched in everything by Him in all utterance and all knowledge, even as the testimony of Christ was confirmed in you. So that you come, verse 7, 1 Corinthians 1, 7, so that you come short in no gift, eagerly waiting, eagerly waiting for the revelation of our Lord Jesus Christ who will also confirm you to the end that you may be blameless in the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. And uh, we've got a lot more verses. So, Jim, you just want to slap up uh, all those verses? 2 Timothy 4, 1 through 8. There you go. So if you want some homework, all of those verses, and there's many, many more, but there are some verses, when you look at the context of those verses, it's basically talking about, he's coming back, he's coming back, he's coming back, he's coming back. 
First century church. Oh, this whole rapture thing and the Lord's coming back. It's just been the 150. Don't, please don't say that. It's been in the scripture for 2,000 years. Debug the program. There's major denominations that say, oh, hogwash. Fine, you don't want to believe in the word? Don't believe in the word. I'm going to go with the word. Lastly, blessed, happy, internal joy due to internal peace is for any believer who would listen to its commands and blessed, happy, internal joy due to internal peace is any believer who would obey those commands with all of their heart, soul, mind, and strength. Father, we thank you and praise you for your word from Genesis to Revelation. And Father, we thank you and praise you that you desire us to be happy. Not as this world thinks of happiness, but to have that internal peace that can only come from you when we see a world in chaos, when we see a world that seems to be spinning out of control, we know that there's a plan and a purpose behind the things we are seeing. So, Father, we pray for our hearts that this week as we go out into this world, this world that is crumbling, this world that is falling apart, this world that is imploding right before our eyes, in ways that we never thought would, that we'd be available for the unbeliever, that we'd be available for our coworker, for a family member, for a friend, for a neighbor, for someone who crosses our path during the week and disrupts our schedule, so to speak, that if we have the time that we'd be available for them, whether it's five minutes or or a couple hours, that you would be glorified, Lord, that we'd water, we'd plant, we'd water, we'd fertilize. And Lord, if it's your will, that we'd pray with someone to receive Jesus this week. We know you want to see people. We read the verses, you're long-suffering, willing none to perish. So help us to live in expectation of using us. Fill us afresh with your Holy Spirit. For we want to be blessed. We want to have that internal peace that only you provide. In Jesus' precious name, amen. Thank you for listening to this teaching from God's Word. If you have any questions, would like to request prayer, or want more information about our church and how you can experience the love and hope of Jesus Christ in your life, please visit calvaryqueencreek.org.